0: Hey guys, Pastor David here. Uh, welcome to Victory Church. We're excited that you have uh, found us, that you're joining us today. We're a community of authentic, spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. That is our vision here at Victory Church and that is what we're praying will become a reality for us as a church here at Victory. So I'm glad that you guys found us. I'm glad that you're joining us today and we're excited about kicking off this sermon here in just a moment. Hey man, let's keep on singing that. I love that. Jeez. That's great. We do. We need to have a day where we just like sing. I mean, sing praises to God. So um, we have been in the Galatians series, if you've, if you've just joined us for the first time, the book of Galatians. And as we kind of dive into this day um, or, or into this text that we're going to be in today, you know, all throughout our life, we're constantly making different decisions, aren't we? All of the time we're making um, different decisions. You made tons of decisions, even just this morning. You've made several of them. For example, you made the decision whether or not you're going to get out of bed this morning, right? You made the decision whether or not you're going to brush your teeth this morning, which hopefully everyone in here brushed their teeth this morning. You made the decision what you're going to eat, whether or not you're going to go to church, what you're going to do after church, you're going to make that decision later, whether you're going to go out to eat somewhere, you're going to eat at home. We're constantly making different decisions all the time. And the decisions that we make, they're based on the results that those decisions are going to produce in our life, Decisions that we make in life are based on the results that those decisions are going to produce. That doesn't mean we're always going to make the right decisions, but we make those decisions based on the results that they'll produce for us. For example, we make the decision to work. Why? So we'll make money, right? We can pay our bills, right? And we can, we can support our family. We make the decision to get married so that we can share our life with a spouse. Um, we, can, we also make a decision to have children so that we can have children to raise on our own. So we make these decisions in life based on the results of those decisions are going to produce for us. And when it comes to Christianity, there's a couple main questions that people have on the forefront of their mind, especially if they don't know Christ. It's, well, what is salvation? What is salvation, and what are the results of salvation? What's salvation? What are the results of it? And that's what we're going to see Paul diving into today in this text that we're going to be um, reading through, is what is salvation, which he's already been diving into that a lot. We've, uh, we're about to dive into uh, chapter 4, a little bit in the end of chapter 3 and chapter 4. So he's been hitting on the gospel and what salvation is a lot. He's going to hammer that home a little bit more today, but then he's going to specifically hone in on what the results, the repercussions of that salvation are. And the big idea today is through salvation, Christians are exponentially blessed. Through salvation, Christians are exponentially blessed. Amen? Right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time that we have together, for this family that you've put here. and we are, we are here because of you, Jesus, and for no other reason. This isn't some social network club. This isn't some gathering where we can just hang out. We are here because of you, Jesus, because of the gospel, because of what you have done in our place. And we just thank you so much for that. And God, I pray that you illuminate the gospel in our minds and our hearts in a fresh new way to where we see what you've done. And again, help us to, I pray that you help us to never move past that. We pray that often, God, but we need that Holy Spirit just to, I pray that you just make your presence known to us in our life to where we feel you in a tangible way. You are always with us, God. You are always with us as Christians. We can never get away from you. But I pray that you help us to feel you tangibly today. Open our hearts and our minds, God, to the truths that you have, and I pray that you transform us and change us more and more into the image of Jesus, that so we can shine your light into this dark and dying world. I pray if anybody doesn't know you here, Jesus, if they're here today, they have never made that response to the gospel, they have never made that commitment to you, Jesus, I pray that you would open their eyes, their hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict them and draw them to you. Lift the veil, Jesus, in their life. I pray all these things in your mighty name, Jesus. We love you, we thank you, we praise you. Amen. Amen. So a quick, very, very quick uh, about a one-minute or so recap of last week. If you weren't here, we hit on the law, okay, the Mosaic law. We, we, we uh, talked about how the law, we were under this bondage of this law, right, this slavery of the law. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a little bit, but that's kind of what we hit on last week. We were in this bondage, this slavery of the law. We could never fulfill it. No matter what we did, it could never be done. The only one that could perfectly fulfill the law was Jesus Christ. No man. And, and it, it, the other thing that we learned is the fact that the law was never meant to save us. It was never meant to save us, even though that's how several of the Jews were treating it, as though it was their means by which they earned salvation. But that was never the point, the purpose of the law. And then also Paul pointed us, reminded us of Abraham, the covenant that God made with Abraham, the promises and the blessing, and the fact that Abraham was deemed declared by God as righteous, in other words, made right, um, clean before God and saved before God for no other reason other than faith. It wasn't through his works. It wasn't through his good deeds. He wasn't just some, the, 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 this great, fantastic man that deserved to be saved by God. He was saved by faith alone. And for us as Christians, we also learn that it's the same thing for us. Nothing has changed. It's not through the law. It's not through our good deeds. It's not because of where you were born who raised you. It's not because of any of those things. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so that's kind of a quick recap from last week. And this week, again, we're we're going to be diving into the last part of chapter 3, just wrapping that up. We've only got a few verses. And then we're just going to start to dive into the first part of chapter 4. So let's go ahead and check out what Paul has to say next. Galatians 3 is where we're at. If you got your Bible, go ahead and break it open. Galatians chapter 3, verse 25. If you don't have it, it's up on the screen. It says, But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For through faith, you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. So remember last week, we touched on this, the fact that the law was like our guardian. Okay, Paul talked about that last week. The law was like our guardian. So another, way that, another word that you can swap out with that word guardian is tutor. And we gave this illustration last week to just kind of help us, you know, frame this and understand this, this illustration of like a nanny, okay? Think of like this strict nanny that is, you know, not like an intimate, loving type of thing, but just very strict, you know, this is right, this is wrong, that was kind of the law, okay? That's this picture of the law, the strict nanny, and not only as a kid, because when we think of nannies, we oftentimes think about little kids, Right? You know, Hey, don't do this. Don't do that. Hey, little Johnny, come over here. Don't do that. And that's it. But the thing is, it followed you all throughout your life. You, you know had your own kids. You had a spouse. You, know, you even have grandkids. And this strict nanny is still following you around. You're like, get away from me. You can never get away from this strict... It's like, picture this giant nanny. Um, it, you can never get away from it, no matter what you do. And you're kind of in bondage to this thing this law that we can never truly fulfill no matter how hard you tried you just kept on doing wrong it's like don't do this i'm doing it anyways why And you could never fulfill it but then we also saw that jesus christ came and he redeemed us he saved us from the bondage of the law that we were in bondage to by fulfilling the law for us in our place and just a quick recap too we, we, we talked about how there's The law, there's 600 plus laws. There's a little over 600 laws in the Bible. Imagine if you had to earn your way to God by keeping all those laws perfectly all the time. All the time. And you can never, I mean, even if you just one time, one law, you broke one time. Yeah, I mean, which we do it all the time, anyways. It's not just one. But even if you did that, it would be deemed imperfect. So, all of those laws that we had to keep. But again, the point was never to earn your salvation. We talked about how there were three main types of law the civil law, ceremonial law, the moral law. We're not going to dive into that. We talked about that last week. You can go and watch that if you didn't, um, if you didn't uh, catch that last week. But the, the one, we learned that the one that we keep now as Christians today, 2018, as Christians redeemed by Christ, we still keep the moral law. Jesus has fulfilled the law for us, but we still keep the moral law. So think about, there's more to it than this, but big picture, just to get an idea of the moral law, think about the Ten Commandments. Okay? We still keep the Ten Commandments as Christians, but here's the thing, we can't mistake it. like we're, we're keeping these Ten Commandments to earn God's favor, and if I don't keep these laws, if I don't keep the Ten Commandments, then God's not going to love me, I'm going to lose favor with God. It doesn't work like that. Okay? You are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. We obey out of a love for God because we love him because he first loved us, because of what he's done for us. But more importantly, because the veil has been lifted at salvation, we can now see clearly through the fog. We see ourselves as we are. We see God, the magnitude of who he is, and it compels us to move in his direction and to obey him out of love. Not out of obligation, not out of trying to earn our salvation in favor, but out of love. He first loved us we loved him and, and through obeying the moral law too i mean it just makes us more godly we we are better people for it we are more loving to god we're more loving to the people around us and we're able to shine the light of christ to the people around us but it's completely impossible as christians it's completely impossible to even try to keep the moral law at all apart from god apart from god We talked about for the last couple of weeks, the Holy Spirit, God in us. At salvation, the moment you believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, in your place, the Holy Spirit, God in us, comes to live inside of us. Holy Spirit, 100% God, 100% living inside of us. His job, make us and mold us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. That is His job. And He does that too. And he He also helps us to live out this moral law. Does that mean that you're going to be perfect? Absolutely, you're going to be perfect. You're like, what? No, no. Make sure you're paying attention. no. We're still going to struggle with sin in our lives, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that, hey, I'm just going to keep on sinning so that grace may abound. Keep on sinning because I'm covered by grace. I can do whatever I want. That's not what that means at all. It's not what that means. But that means even through the failures, we keep on moving in His direction. The Holy Spirit's going to help us, going to guide us through this process, becoming more like Christ and living out the moral law. But even when we make mistakes, God still loves us. We're still covered by grace. That's what that means. And then in verse 28, Paul hits us with something else in this verse check check this out he says there is no jew or greek slave or free look at the contrast here jew or greek slave or free male and female paul loves to do this just going back and forth these contrasts three contrasts we see Uh, since you are all one in christ jesus you are one in christ jesus paul is hitting hard on unity unity we are called to unity not only with christ do we share unity with christ at salvation we're called to unity right but we are also called to unity with each other and that's what paul is specifically hammering home on we are called to unity with each other because of jesus we're one body one family and that doesn't mean that we're going to be exactly alike in every aspect of our life okay you are you are individually fearfully wonderfully made as a, as a beautiful creation of God, we are different. Our personalities, the way we look, the way sometimes we act, and, you know, uh, where you're born, the color of your skin, male and female. But ultimately, at the end of the day, what defines us as Christians, at the end of the day, over all of those things, is the fact that we are Christians that have been saved by the scandalous grace of God, found only in and through Jesus Christ. That is who we are more than anything else at the end of the day. And uh, through this text, Paul hits on three barriers. We saw those contrasts. Three barriers that typically cause division, um, not only in the secular world, but also in our world, Christian world, um, with Christ as a body of Christ causes division. And we got to remember, man, we, we, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. We cannot forget that. We have an enemy. He wants to uh, kill, steal, and destroy. And one of the ways that he loves to do that is by causing division. You can cause division he can do nothing about your salvation once saved always saved but if you can cause division and separation then you can live your life as though you're living you know hell on earth even though you've been saved and you've been, redeemed, you've been redeemed and you've been freed you can be you can live your life as though you're still a slave like it's hell on earth and also we will be completely ineffective for the spread of the gospel he loves to cause division and we need to fight for unity we are called to unity through Christ so the three barriers quickly hit on this. He hits on the cultural barrier. The cultural barrier. This is Timothy Keller uh, mentioned this cultural barrier. Uh, so he mentioned that when he said Jew or Greek, that contrast there, Jew or Greek. The second one, the class barrier, slave or free. And the third one, the gender barrier, male and female. So the cultural, the class, and the gender barriers. Let me read this text one more time. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus, guys, because of Christ, these barriers don't exist. They have been torn down. They do not exist. And so what that means for us is we need to stop pretending like they still do and stop trying to build them back up when Christ has torn them down. They don't exist. It's not about who you are. It's not about where you've been born. It's not about the color of your skin. It's not about any of that stuff, you know, male or female, not your socioeconomic class, how much money you make, don't make, your job, male, or female, it's not about any of that stuff. Is the back scandalous grace of God. Our identity is found in Christ. That is who we are. We are one family, one body in Christ. And we are called to that unity. We're called to fight for it. We're called to display that unity in our lives individually. We're called to display that unity in our families, in our churches, the, the global church, but then also the local church. And guys, as we display that unity in our lives, in our families, in the churches, that is one of the best ways to shine the love and the light of Jesus Christ into a dark and dying world, by displaying that love, that unity with Christ and with each other. We shine the light of Christ and penetrate the darkness around us. And because of that unity that we share as Christians, Paul says in verse 29, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to The promise. What we have to understand is, before Christ, Gentiles, so non-Jews, before Christ, never thought that they had any kind of a share at all, and they didn't before Christ. And the promise is the covenant that God made with Abraham. The promise, the blessing that God made with Abraham. Never thought they, they had any part in that, which they didn't at that point. They never thought that they would. It's like, no, that's for Abraham. That's for the nation of Israel. That is not for us. We'll never have any part in that. And they were right before Christ, But what Paul is bringing us to, this point he's bringing us to, is that Jesus Christ ties everything together. Everything is tied together through Jesus Christ. That promise that was made there, Jesus Christ ties it together for us. What he's saying here, Paul is is, is trying to tell us that the gospel is less about a man named Abraham and a nation of Israel and more about God's plan of salvation, plan of redemption for the entire world. That's the gospel. God's plan of redemption, salvation for the entire world. And when we become followers of Christ through faith, we become spiritual sons and daughters of Abraham. We share in the same promise, the blessing that God gave Abraham through that covenant that he made with him thousands of years ago. So at this point in this book, we've gone through the first three chapters in this book. One of the main things that Paul has hit on time and time and time and time again, until it's like, okay, I get it, dude, I got it. You know, I got it a few weeks ago, is the fact that salvation comes by faith in Christ alone. Salvation comes by faith in Christ alone. It's grace alone uh, by faith alone through Christ alone. He's hitting on this time and time and time again. And the reason that he's doing this is because he wants us to know without a doubt what the gospel is. The way to salvation, he wants us to understand, he's building up this foundation, and he wants us to understand without a doubt, this is where salvation comes in. This is where salvation is found. And he also points out all these things that, that, you know, salvation isn't found in this. It's not found in this. It's not found in that. This is the only place that salvation is found. And he points us to why, because these false teachers coming in. He tells us in the first chapter that um, there's only one gospel. It never changes. If you add or subtract anything at all to the truth of the gospel, completely contaminates it, turns it into a lie. It doesn't save. It is a lie. It only destroys one gospel. And he has set that foundation to where we know without a doubt, this is the gospel. Uh, grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, and nothing else. And so now he's kind of at this pivotal point, this kind of hinge point, where it's like, okay, this is the foundation, right? This is the gospel, this is salvation. Now these are the results of that salvation. So that's kind of where we're at. We're going to dive into chapter four of Galatians. This is the last text. We're going to read through this verses one through uh, seven in chapter four, and then we're going to kind of dissect this together. So let's start chapter four, verse one. It says, now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. When the time came to completion, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you were no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. So before, before Paul kind of dives into the repercussions, the results of salvation, What he first wants us to do is he wants us to take a step back and say, okay, we're going to get there. We're going to take a step back. And I want you to remember, go in your mind and remember, and even as we're talking about this, remember in your own life, life before Christ. Remember what it was like before Christ, before the veil was lifted and your eyes were open and you, know, you could see past the fog. Remember what that was like. Because when we go back to that, when we remember our life before Christ, it magnifies just how incredible the results of salvation are, what God has done for us. It just magnifies it and illuminates it all the more. So he, says, he does this by saying, hey, before Christ, we were slaves. Before Christ, you were a slave is what he's saying. We were prisoners to our own sin. We were in bondage, prisoners to our own sin with no escape. There was no way that we could ever escape from this. And it corrupted our minds. It corrupted our thoughts, our actions. Just a few basic examples of this. I mean, think about like uh, addiction. Think about like somebody that struggles with an addiction to alcohol or drugs or pornography, all kinds of addictions. And, and these people are just enslaved to this addiction. It's like no matter how hard you try, it's like you, you can't get away from it. You're just enslaved to this. Or somebody that's uh, enslaved to anger and these fits of rage. And it's like it comes over to them and they know, man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to act like this. But it's like I'm just like controlled and enslaved by this anger in me. Or this unforgiveness. People carry unforgiveness, bitterness. It acts like this poison in their life. And, and they take it into relationships. that just toxic. And they're like enslaved to that unforgiveness, that bitterness. Just a few examples. And it goes on and on and on. And all you need to do, man, to understand the magnitude of the slavery, of the sin in this world, the bondage of the sin in this world, just turn on the news. Just turn on the news. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you can see just the mass murder, the mass um, just famine. I mean, the, the shootings that go on in schools and, and uh, you know, uh, movie theaters. You know, when you look at the, the divorce rate, you look at uh, um, just uh, all these different crimes that happen. It's all over the place. Look in the mirror at your own life. We can start to see the magnitude of the bondage that this world is under in slavery. We complete slavery and bondage to our sin. Every bad thing that happens in this life is a direct result of sin's power over this world. See, before Christ, we were spiritually powerless to honestly do what was right. We were, we were incapable. We were spiritually powerless to do what was right. The worst thing is, before Christ, we didn't even fully understand just how sinful we were, just how m- much in slavery and bondage we were to this sin. It, it's kind of like, think of a person... Think of somebody that you've known or you've seen um, in your life that, that didn't bathe a lot, right? Like, think of somebody that you know It's like, hey, this person doesn't bathe a lot. And you, you go up to them, and you're like, you can tell, man, this person, I don't think they've bathed in a really long time, right? Like, you know, and, and not only that, but you can like smell their clothes and it's kind of it's reeking. And you can see other people just like drawing away from them. It's like, man, this person reeks. Like, they have not... Like, bathe, they have not washed their clothes in so long. Like, what's going on? I love this person, but it's hard to be next to them. And the question is, why in the world do they do anything about this? Why don't they see that, right? Well, what's going on? Why don't they see that they are filthy and they smell? And the reason is because we get used to our own filth. We get used to our own filth. I mean, studies even show this. We get used to our own filth. More than that, we get comfortable with it. We get comfortable with our own filth to the point to where we couldn't imagine life without it. There's no way I could live without it. Um, you ever seen that show, like, Hoarders? You ever seen that? Um, it, it, it's just like you go up to them and you say something, hey, it probably helped if you get some of this junk out of your life, right? It's like, no, it's not junk. I need that. I need this. I need that. It's like this, this comfort thing. Guys, that's how sin was in our life. Before Christ, We didn't even see the magnitude of it and how much in bondage and slavery we truly were before Christ. But thank God. Thank God that he did not leave us in this filthy, nasty, sinful state. Thank God that he does not leave us in that state. Thank God that he sent us Jesus. Amen. And in this text, Paul reminds us a couple of reasons that God sent Jesus. We're going to dive into this. A couple of reasons God sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to redeem us. To redeem us, and there's a song. You ever you ever heard of that band, Big Daddy Weave? Anybody heard, heard that band, Big Daddy Weave? A couple people. They're they're a, they're a good band. They've got some really powerful music and uh, and songs, just solid stuff. Uh, but one of my favorite songs, probably by them, is a song called "Redeemed." And I think this song, the lyrics really just kind of capture the heart of redemption. It was a big hit uh, several years ago. "Redeemed." I encourage you to go. Go listen to it. Just so much truth and power in this song. I'm going to read you um, just a, a, a couple quick lines here from this song, Redeemed by Big Daddy Weave. It says, I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains and wipe away every stain. Now I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. Because that's exactly what Christ does for us at salvation. That's exactly what he does for us at salvation. He takes away all the sin, the shame, the guilt, the muck, the filth in our life, the, the bondage, the pain, the suffering in our life. He nails it to the cross. That's what he does at redemption. Colossians chapter 2, Colossians also written by Paul. Colossians chapter 2, uh, uh, Paul tells us that, that Jesus um, erased our certificate of debt. And with its obligations, and he nailed it to the cross. He erased our certificate of debt and with its obligations, and he nailed it to the cross. And see, back in that day and age, a certificate of debt was a piece of paper that somebody would be given if you um, had a lot of debt that you owed to somebody. You didn't have banking systems and all that, right? So you had a certificate of debt that you owed somebody. So it was all the things that you owed this person. Are you that, that, that. And they would be in bondage and slavery to this thing until they could finally work that debt off. And a lot of times it would take years it's in bondage and slavery to this debt, this piece of paper, this certificate of debt. But when they finally paid that debt off, they would take that certificate of debt and they would have the word tetelestai written on it. Tetelestai, which means it is finished or paid in full. Tetelestai, it is finished or paid in full. See guys, in the same way we as Christians for Christ, we had a certificate of debt that was hanging over our head. We were in debt so much so we can never pay it off because the the, the debt owed, we owed our life. That was the only thing that could pay that off. It was our life, complete separation for God for all of eternity. And Satan could take that certificate of debt and say, I own you. He'd look at me, God, and say, I own them. Because there was nothing that we could ever do to pay that debt off other than our life, through our life. And that was it. And then one day God came down in the form of a man, Jesus. Took that certificate of debt, your certificate of debt, my certificate of debt. He put it on his back along with the cross, meant for you and for me, marched up Calvary, was nailed to the cross that we were meant to be nailed to. And just before he breathed his last, just before he took his last breath, he said the word to tell us that it is finished. Your debt is paid. In full. Your debt is paid in full as because of Jesus, our debt has been paid and we have been redeemed. The beautiful thing is God doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just stop at redemption. It goes further than that. He, he saves us. He redeems us. He, he, he frees us. We are no longer slaves. But then he goes further and he, through Christ, God adopts us. Through Christ, God adopts us. That's the second thing that Jesus sent Christ to do. And uh, when it comes to adoption, there's, there's oftentimes a lot of misconceptions, horrible misconceptions about what adoption is, and when people look at an adopted child, just the ideas of the parents, too, and, and, and the questions that are asked, it's just crazy. I was looking, doing a lot of research about this this week, and I've heard about this before, but it's just crazy. Just the misconceptions about adoption, as though adopted kids are like less than when it comes to biological kids, you know? Like, for example, one question, David Platt actually talked about this, too, a couple of places. He, he has an adopted kid. I think his first son. I believe that was an adoption. And so he adopted, adopted a kid. And um, he was asked this question on several occasions. He's been asked this question, oh, that's great. That's that's great that you adopted. So so are you going to have a kid of your own? That's what he was like. Are you going to have a kid of your own? And he said, actually, he said one time, he said, I just want to want to tell him, hey, come here, lean, lean in really close. He is my own. He is my own, man. Just these crazy misconceptions about how the fact that like, adopted kids are less than they're they're only partially loved they're only partially a part of the family but hear me on this guys those are lies from the terafals those are lies that is not true in fact think about it like this little paradigm shift think about it like this it is it is possible for two people to have a biological child that has not been planned out that's possible right it is possible for two people to have a biological child that has not been planned out. I mean, think about the abortion rate. Think about kids having kids and even married couples that have kids and it's like, oh, we didn't plan this out. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. But it is completely, utterly, 100% impossible. It cannot happen for parents to adopt a child and that be an accident. That is never a mistake. It is never an accident. It is impossible for them not to know what they have done. Through adoption, they have sought that child out and they have picked him, chosen them out, and brought them lovingly into their family. As adoption, it carries with it so much value, so much love. It's a bond between these parents in this and this child it has been sought after it has been fought for and they've been chosen and they've also been legally bound together they are bound together through love but they are bound together legally i mean as long as those parents and that child have breath in their lungs they are literally bound together through love and legally and something else too just another um, misconception about adoption is sometimes people will say this crazy thing is just through ignorance. It's, Like, oh, well, they're not their blood, right? They're not your blood. That's what people will say. As if it's the blood in our veins that binds us together, right? Hear me on this. There are things that we share through our blood, that we pass down through our kids. Like, you know, genetically, we pass down the color of our eyes, our hair color, uh, you know, skin color. We pass down personality traits sometimes. Sometimes they'll look at like us a little bit, right? We pass some of those things down. And those are some of the kind of superficial things. But ultimately, when you get down to the root of it, the only thing that you and I are able to pass down through our bloodline apart from Jesus Christ is the sin, the bondage, and the slavery that we were all born into. That's what we pass down through our bloodline at the end of the day. Sin, bondage, and damnation apart from Jesus. The only bloodline, guys, hear me on this, the only bloodline, that gives any true value, meaning, purpose, that it gives any kind of significance or, or freedom or salvation is the bloodline of Jesus Christ. That we can only be a part of when we believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross in our place and are born again into his family. The bloodline of Jesus is the only bloodline that carries any kind of weight, value, freedom, or salvation with it. Because of Jesus, guys, we have been redeemed by God and we have been adopted into his family And this finally leads us to this question, Well, what are the results of Jesus coming to redeem us and adopt us? What are the results? We know, okay, salvation, and this is what happened. This is why Jesus was sent. We've we've, we've nailed that down time and time again for the past several weeks. What are the results of that? What are the results of salvation is another way to word this question. And Paul hits on three things in this text, results of salvation. Number one, we are no longer slaves. We are no longer slaves. David Plath said, we were once held captive by God's law, now we are captivated by his love. And not only were we held captive by the law, guys, we were held captive by our sin. And everything that, that, that goes with that shame, the shame, the guilt, the, the, the pain, the heartaches, all of that stuff, we were held captive by that stuff. But the beauty of the gospel is that when Christ died on the cross, he freed us from all of those things. Because of Christ, we are no longer slaves. We are we are free, and we've been given a new identity. As Christians, you are no longer the sin that you struggle with. Before Christ, that was your identity was found in sin. You were sinful, sin-filled. We all were. That's where identity was found. But in Christ, through Christ, that is no longer our identity. You may struggle with sin, but that is not who you are. You have been redeemed. Your identity is found solely in and through Jesus Christ. Our acceptance, our significance, our freedom, our salvation... Comfort, peace, all of that is found in and through Jesus Christ. And nothing can ever separate us from His love. Nothing. As Christians, number one, we are no longer slaves. We are free because of Christ. Number two, we are sons and daughters of God. Because we've been adopted by God, that means we are sons and daughters of God, guys. You are a son or a daughter of the God of the universe. It's been said that adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers. There's no higher privilege the gospel offers other than adoption. Because through justification, we talked about that a lot, justification made right, made clean before God, we are saved, right? But through adoption, we are loved, we are valued, we are cherished by God, and we are His. Through adoption, we are His. You are His baby boy. You are His baby girl that He loves so much. Without measure, He loves you. So much more than you'll ever know. And in verse 6, Paul says, And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Guys, this this screams intimacy. Intimacy with the God of the universe. He is our Abba. He's our our Father because of Jesus. He is literally our Daddy. And and because of this, because He is our loving Daddy, Daddy, we can go boldly before his throne. The veil has been torn. We go boldly before his throne as our loving daddy and say, Daddy, I need you. Daddy, please help me. Daddy, I love you. Because of Jesus, because of our salvation, the God of the universe is now our loving heavenly father. He is our daddy. David Platt said that everything we do in life, our worship, our prayers, our entire outlook on life should be promote, prompted and controlled by the fact that we are children of God. Everything that we do. Guys, and because we're children of God, that also means that we are heirs of God. That's the third thing, the last thing that Paul hits on, the last result of salvation. We are heirs of God. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be an heir of God? That means that you are entitled to an inheritance by the God of the universe because your daddy is the God of the universe. And he gives you an inheritance. What does that inheritance look like? Look like who we inherit as Christians the kingdom of God, and the biggest, the greatest blessing, the greatest fortune of all time, paradise, where there will be no, sh- no sin, no shame, no guilt, none of that stuff, no pain, forever, for all of eternity. The greatest fortune of all time. Guys, we got to understand that the blessings of salvation, they're never-ending. They are never ending. It's not like you're saved one day and it's like, okay, I become a Christian that's it. No, the blessings of salvation are never ending. The further that you dive into the gospel, the more blessings that you discover. That's why we can never get away from this. The gospel is not just for salvation for people that don't know Jesus. Oh, that's the story we tell people you know, about salvation because they don't know Jesus. No, we can never get away from it. Through salvation, we are justified and saved by Christ. Through, through salvation, through the gospel, rather, we are justified, saved by Christ. We, we are also adopted into God's family, and we are blessed for all of eternity. For all of eternity. We can never get away from this. Because of Jesus, we have an eternal Father whose love for us knows no limits. Because of Jesus, we have an eternal family with God and with this family that he's given us, Christians around us. And because of Jesus, we have an eternal home eternal home. So what are the results of salvation? You are no longer a slave. You have been set free by Jesus. Number two, you are a son, a loved, cherished, valued son or daughter of the God of the universe, and you have the right to call him daddy and go boldly before his throne. And three, you are heirs of God, heirs to his kingdom. Worship team, you guys can come on up. So if you're here today, you've never responded to the gospel. You can't leave here today and say, you don't know what the gospel is, what the results of the gospel are. As the Lord tells us, Jesus displays for us that he meets us where we're at and he will save us where we're at. If you are here today, you've never responded, man, don't wait, don't wait. He loves you so much. He will meet you where you're at, he'll save you. And if you're a Christian, but You've kind of found yourself backsliding and you haven't really been living your life knowing that and claiming the results of the salvation the fact that you were a loved son or daughter of the king of the universe and you are no longer a slave if you've been going back to that bondage man and god is calling you out of that saying, look you have been free you have been set free by jesus don't go back to the bondage of the sin Don't go back to the bunches of trying to earn your salvation. You've been freed. You have been redeemed. You are a loved son or daughter of the King of the universe. And you can hold your head high no matter what's going on in this life, knowing that he's right there. Guys, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church, maybe you don't even live here. Um, I just want—I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us, and uh, I, I want to encourage you to to respond in some way today. Because, you know, when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we, um, whatever it may may be, the point of that is um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so, if you are a Christian, um, you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already then the way that we can respond is just by, you know, asking Him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon, the way that you're speaking to me? What do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to. Um, and and you haven't been giving it to him but i want to encourage you to give that to him and step out in faith or maybe if it's um, you know some unbelief that you've had and and god has really convicted you of some things um, you know whatever it may be for you it's different for everyone i want to encourage you to respond to god and, and step in his direction and, and the other thing too is if if you were somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message you've never been, been impacted by that gospel message but now something is happening God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit then I want to encourage you to step out in faith respond to that gospel message and throughout the book of Acts um, Acts tells us our history as a church Uh, it shows us that what that response looks like so number one is to repent and this word repent, all that means is just to turn from, you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires, you know, turn from making ourself God and all these other things in life God, and turn to God, and just give Him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else. And it's called baptism. And, and baptism is so key, it's so important, it's seen all throughout um, in that book and Acts and and the importance and significance of it. Um, It's the symbol of death to the old self and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ and we're 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 uh, we die with Christ to the old self and we are raised with Christ to, to walk in this new life and it's a command from Jesus so I want to encourage you if you have made that commitment to Christ if you have stepped out um, and you are wanting to follow Christ then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at I encourage you to do that um, if you don't have a church we would love to be able able to celebrate that with you um here but i would encourage you first and foremost to do that to to talk with someone um, to get counsel on what this means to seek discipleship as well so um, i encourage you to do those things we would love to talk with you we are praying for you i want you to know that you were loved and you were prayed for so if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we, are, we, we would welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're going to provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you, if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. And we're excited about taking this next step with you.